If you want to follow along, it's not a particularly long reading. You'll be able to uh, follow without it if you want. It's page 1094 in the church Bibles, and it's Acts 2, verse 36. Acts 2, verse 36, where at the beginning of the New Testament church, and Peter is preaching. In the NIV, it says, Peter addresses the crowd, and we're cutting in near the end of what Peter is saying to that assembled group of new believers in Acts chapter 2. So, Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, <coughs> excuse me, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So we're going to sing again before uh, Edwin comes and gives us his thoughts and what God has laid on him for that passage, and we're going to sing uh, Katie's choice. Well, let me just check. I should know this already. Was Emma born before Karen? So we're doing this in age order, I notice, suddenly. So. Well, good morning, folks. And uh, it's a pleasure for me to be sharing in this service this morning, uh, along with Ross and Jason, and of course the girls who are going to be baptized, and everyone else, all of you folks who are part of this uh, service uh, together. The passage of Scripture that was read to us by Jason from Acts chapter 2 is, as uh, he said, actually the first, the first recorded sermon that we have, apart from the teaching of Jesus, of course, in the Gospels. This was the first uh, recorded sermon that we know of being preached by the early church, preached by, by Peter. And he was giving an explanation uh, of what the people were seeing happening before their eyes. That's really what he was doing. He was explaining what had just been happening and what the people had witnessed. In a sense, that's kind of what I want to do this morning, uh, if we can, because in a little while, we're going to see these uh, four uh, young people, uh, reasonably sensible, I think they're reasonably sensible uh, young folks, uh, being baptized by immersion, totally immersed in the water. And if, if you're a visitor, and it's great to welcome so many visitors this morning, if you're a visitor, if you're seeing a baptismal service for the first time, then you probably are wondering what it is all about. Uh, and if you're a regular, it's good for us to be reminded uh, what it's about anyway, because it's, it's not the sort of thing that you see every day, and it's not the sort of thing that we practice uh, every day. And so the question is, why would these uh, young women want to do this? Why would they do that? That's the question in our minds. Why on earth would they do that? Why do we practice believer's baptism? And I think 
Well, there are probably lots of reasons, but I've got four in my mind here just now that I want to share with you. The first reason is, very simple, because Jesus commanded it. Jesus commanded it. This is not the idea of a Baptist church. It's not a desire to have some kind of gimmick that makes us a bit different from other Christian churches, though actually there are uh, tens of millions of people around the world baptizing by immersion, just as we are going to uh, be doing this morning. But it's not because it's a good idea that we've thought up. It's because Jesus told us to do it. He said, go and make disciples out of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Those who became followers of Jesus, that's all that disciple means, those who became followers of Jesus were to be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And Jesus himself, of course, had already set an example. He had been baptized. He didn't need to be baptized because the Bible tells us that he was totally without sin. There was nothing for him to confess or repent of in terms of sinfulness. But right at the beginning of his earthly ministry, he went to John the Baptist and asked John to baptize him. John didn't want to do it. He said it should be the other way around. But Jesus said, no, this is the right thing for us to do. So if Jesus thought it was important for him to be baptized, how much more important is it for you and me who are believers to do the same? And uh, that command to his disciples was amongst Jesus' last words to them, almost the last words that he spoke to them on earth in the flesh. These were amongst the last words. And we usually think that a person's last words are important. They're worth remembering. And these last words of Jesus are very important for the church. So that's the first reason. We do it because Jesus commanded it. That's as good a reason as any. We probably could just stop there. But I've got a few more things to say too, so let me, let me share it. We do it also because the early church practiced it. They followed this command of Jesus immediately. Maybe the words of Jesus were still ringing in his ears as Peter is standing there preaching to the crowd in Jerusalem. And so his final challenge at the end of his sermon was repent, confess your sins, be, be genuinely sorry about your sinfulness, and be baptized as a sign that you're trusting Jesus as your Savior to put you right with God again. Repent and be baptized. And they were. More than 3,000 of them, we're told, were baptized that day and welcomed into the fellowship of the church. And as you read through the book of Acts, you see it again and again and again, new believers being baptized. Acts chapter 8, there is uh, Philip, one of the early church evangelists, meeting the Ethiopian chancellor uh, on his way back home to Ethiopia. And Philip uh, shares the gospel, the good news about Jesus with this man. And immediately the Ethiopian's response is, why shouldn't I be baptized? That was the first thing he wanted to do. Incredible. He had no background in, uh, in Judaism or in Christianity. 
but he wanted to be baptized. Philip must have told him about that beforehand. Next chapter of Acts chapter 9, Saul of Tarsus, who had been the arch persecutor of the church, trying to stamp it out. That was his great mission. But he had an incredible experience on the road to Damascus when in a vision he he came face to face, as it were, with the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And he was a changed man. He was converted there and then. His life was turned around. Because the light had been so bright when he saw this vision, he was blind for three days until he received healing. But the first thing Saul of Tarsus, as a new believer, wanted to do was to get baptized. It was the first thing that he did after his conversion. Next chapter of Acts, chapter 10, Peter has gone to speak to the Gentile Cornelius, who responds to the gospel as Peter shares that with him. He comes to faith. He comes to belief in Christ. Peter's question immediately, can anyone keep these people from being baptized in water? It was the next thing to do. You see, this became the practice of the early church. Believers were (coughs) baptized. It's very clear that they took Jesus' command seriously. And we're trying to do that too throughout its life. This church has practiced believers' baptism, uh, trying to be true to that command of Jesus and to be part of the practice of the church. And it is believers' baptism. It comes after faith, after repentance and faith, not beforehand. That's why we're not baptizing babies this morning. But these folk who are being baptized are believers. They are already exercising faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus commanded it. The early church practiced it, no question about that. And the third reason is because Christians need it. We actually need it. Every baptism is an encouragement to those who are already believers. So those who are in church this morning who are already uh, walking with Christ, who perhaps have been already baptized themselves, they will be encouraged by this because it it is a reminder to us that God is at work in people's lives today. It's a reminder of God's grace. God has taken the initiative. And actually, if you're here in this service, maybe you're here because a friend's being baptized or a relative being baptized, I actually believe that you're here because God has brought you here, because he wants you to come into relationship with himself through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why you're here. Uh, and, And that can be a tremendous encouragement both to those who are already believers and to those who are not yet believers. God has reached out for us and poured out his grace upon us. And that just means he loves us and saves us when we don't deserve it. We're not doing anything. We've not done anything. We're not living perfect lives. But God loves us so much that he gave his son to be our savior so that we could come back into relationship with him and find eternal life. Every baptism reminds us of God's great love towards us. He reaches out to us. And of course, the wonderful thing about baptism for the person being baptized is that it it seals our commitment 
to Christ. It's a, it's a confession of faith. And uh, even if they were saying nothing, although we will ask each of these young people to confess their faith in Jesus just before they're baptized, but even if they said nothing, the actual act of baptism is itself a confession of faith. As they are baptized, they are saying, Jesus is my Savior and Lord. I'm wanting to follow him. And the Bible tells us that it's very important to make that kind of public declaration of faith. Romans 10 and 9 says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will have eternal life. You'll be a believer, a Christian. That's the importance of outward confession, and that's exactly what baptism is. And that's what it will mean for each of these young people baptized this morning. That was my own experience, certainly. Uh, as a young person, I had made a commitment to Christ just as a young teenager, but I, I wasn't too serious about it, to be honest, and I kind of drifted about uh, not really living uh, as a Christian. And then, a number of years later, I was, I was challenged very clearly, uh, I believe, by the Lord about being serious. I had to be one thing or the other. I couldn't sit on the fence. I was either going to be a Christian believer or not. And uh, I responded to that challenge and surrendered my life afresh to the Lord Jesus Christ. And immediately, I wanted to be baptized. Uh, I had never thought about it before. But somehow now, it just seemed the right thing to do. And, uh, and so it is for these young folk uh, baptized today. Uh, the wonderful thing about it is they've been brought up in Christian homes. They've been brought up in the kind of atmosphere of this church. But now they're coming to this place where they are sealing their commitment to Christ. I want people to know that I am a believer in Jesus and I'm following him. That's what they're saying. And then baptism also is a symbol of cleansing. Uh, I don't have any soap. Uh, here, but it is full immersion in water. It is literally a bath. They are immersed in water as a symbol of having been cleansed from all sin and all impurities. Uh, Cliff uh, Richard, who I immediately confess is much more my generation than the generation of you guys who are being baptized uh, this morning, but nevertheless, uh, Cliff said uh, about his own baptism after he'd become a Christian. He said about his own uh, baptism uh, by David Pawson in Guildford Baptist Church down in England. He said this, David Pawson had referred earlier to baptism symbolizing a clean start, and it was a strange feeling of lightness that I sensed as I clambered out of that little pool all dripping and bedraggled. It wasn't an anticlimax of emptiness, but an acute awareness that I really was free of all that spoiled and hindered and dragged me down. That's part of the fantastic miracle of what God does for a person. Christianity isn't about a life where hopefully and with super willpower you slowly get cleaner and cleaner until finally you're there as some kind of snow white angel the Christian actually starts clean. 
once we accept for ourselves all that Jesus offers and start heading in his direction, we are washed, rinsed, and hung up to dry right there and then. And I tell you, he says, to be able to hold your head up high, knowing that as far as God is concerned, there is not a single blot on your copybook is something to get enthused about. And so it is. Baptism is a symbol of cleansing. Through Jesus' death on the cross and what he did for us there, we can be cleansed of all the sin and the wrong things and the wrong attitudes that we have had in life. And not only that, but uh, in being baptized, Cliff Richard was simply being obedient to Jesus' command, just as these young folk are being obedient today. It's a step of obedience, baptism. They are doing it because Jesus commanded it, because he wants them to do it. They're not doing it because a minister has told them this is the thing to do. They're not doing it because their parents have insisted on it. They are doing it because Jesus commanded it and wants them to do it. It's a step of obedience for them. Not only is baptism a reminder of God's grace, a confession of faith, a symbol of cleansing, a step of obedience, it also identifies us with the church of Jesus Christ. And that's why these baptisms are taking place, as uh, Jason uh, reminded us earlier, it's not a secret ceremony, it's not done in private, it is done in public, and it is done in the context of worship. We're doing it in the context of a worship service where the church is gathered together. And as these folk are baptized, they are identifying themselves and being identified with the church on earth and in heaven. And here's this final thing, the fourth reason I think it's important, because people are challenged by it. And that's what will be happening this morning. I've been a pastor for more than 50 years, and I know you're thinking, yeah, it's kind of obvious, Uh, but I I have been, more than 50 years. I've lost count of the numbers of people that I've been privileged to baptize. It's certainly in the high hundreds, six or seven hundred people over these years. I want to say to you, there has hardly been a service of baptism where someone has not responded in some way or another, either for the first time in faith, coming and saying, yeah, I want to believe in Jesus. Lord Jesus, please come into my life and be my Savior. First time commitment. Or maybe someone who's already a Christian saying, it's time I was baptized. I want to be baptized too, just like these folks have been. Or perhaps someone else been a Christian a long time, but you've been drifting a bit. And this service will present a challenge to you. Where do you really stand with the Lord? today. And for some people, it's an opportunity to recommit your life to the Lord Jesus. And just as these young folk are saying, I'm following Jesus, you too are able to say, yes, I'm following Jesus. This service challenges us because it reminds us of Christ's sacrifice for us. Each baptism, as the person is immersed in the water, reminds us that Jesus also died 
and was buried and rose again from the dead for our sins. It reminds us of Christ's sacrifice. It also shows us changed lives in actual people. It's not just something we're reading in a book. We're seeing people whose lives have been changed by Jesus and who are coming to baptism. And the Apostle Paul says that. If anyone is in Christ, he becomes a new person altogether. The past is finished and gone. Everything has become fresh and new. And for some of us, that is good news. Christianity is not just a new start in life. It is a new life to start with. That's the difference. And when you become a believer in Jesus, you enter into a new eternal life. That's his promise. And finally, as I've said, baptism, a service like this, calls for a response. Just like the people said to Peter at the end of that first sermon, the people's response was, what shall we do? What shall we do? And I want you to ask yourself that question this morning. What am I going to do as a result of having been in this service? Is it going to be a step of first-time faith for me? I'm going to I'm going to take that step and say, yes, I want to follow Jesus. Or is it a challenge for baptism? Some of you have been Christians already, need to be baptized. Or for some of us, a recommitment, a fresh commitment of our lives to the Lord Jesus. But we need to make a response. It may simply be that your response is, thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. Thank you for the privilege of being part of the living body of Christ. But you need to make some response as we witness these baptisms and share the rest of this service together. Let's just pray for a moment. Father, thank you that you're here with us by your Spirit. Thank you for the folks who are going to be baptized. Thank you for your word to us. Help us to respond in an honest and fitting way to your love and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.